in spite of the uh, crisis that surrounds us every moment of our lives, I am so grateful that the church continues to lead us forward, forward through the season of Lent, forward toward the cross, forward toward the celebration of the empty tomb. It makes me mindful that through the centuries, countless saints have let the church lead them forward through pandemics and war and famine and economic disasters. Think of them this day. Think of the countless saints around the world this day that are worshiping with us at the same time in the same way. We are in very good company when we worship in troubled times. Our text for today, this fifth Sunday of the season of Lent, is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, as we look at the pain and the darkness of the storm of betrayal. Luke 22, verses 31 through 34. Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. And then in verse 47, while he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, when I was a young pastor in Louisiana Conference of the United Methodist Church, I was like every other young pastor. I had a church that I thought I should be appointed to, right? Everyone has that church that they one day should be appointed to. And let's call this church Broadmoor, because that was the name of it. We'll call it Broadmoor. And I thought about being appointed to that church. Now, in those days, you would never, ever speak to the two people who could actually make that happen about where you wanted to be appointed, your district superintendent or the bishop. That was just not done. It was not professional. It was inappropriate. And legend had it that if word ever got back to the bishop that you were talking about where you should be appointed, that would guarantee you would never, never be appointed to that church. So you had to be very careful about who you said those things out loud. Well, this particular year, there was going to be a change in the senior pastor at Broadmoor. And I just knew I should go there. So I talked to my closest, most trusted friends, the other Barry and Jean. And I talked to them often, probably more than they cared to listen, 
about how I would be the perfect pastor, the perfect fit to go to Broadmoor. Well, the appointment season came and went, and I did not get appointed to Broadmoor. I was at annual conference, and Gene and I were walking down a hallway during one of the breaks, and who do we run into but the bishop? And I said, hello, bishop. He said, hello, Barry. And my friend Gene just blurts out, well, bishop, I guess Barry's not going to Broadmoor. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that my, one of my most trusted friends had betrayed me like that. And the bishop stared at me while he answered Gene and said, no, he is not. Fast forward about six or seven years. It's time for another change at Broadmoor. I figured I had nothing to lose. I'd already been totally humiliated by my friend Gene when he betrayed me to the bishop. So I just picked up the phone and called the bishop and said, let me tell you why I think I'm the person to go to Broadmoor United Methodist Church. The bishop listened. He didn't interrupt. When I got finished, there was just a moment's pause to make sure I had nothing else to say. And then I'll never forget those words you never want to hear your bishop say. Not going to happen. Appointment season came and went. I did not get appointed once again to Broadmoor. It's annual conference. Once again, Gene and I are walking down the hallway. We run into the bishop. And before I can even say hello, Gene says, well, bishop, I see Barry's still not going to Broadmoor. I couldn't believe it. Betrayed twice by the same friend on the same issue with the same bishop. Ah. Betrayed once, shame on you. Betrayed twice, shame on me. But we know if we've had a few birthdays that the pain of being betrayed is seldom a laughing matter and it's seldom a trivial matter in our life. There is no darker moments in our life than when we feel that someone or something we trusted in has betrayed us, has let us down. As I read and as I listen to people during this very difficult time in our world and in our country and in our life, I sense as I listen to people that in this chaos and change and anxiety that there's a sense underlying that we've been betrayed a little bit. Things we trusted in have let us down. Perhaps we've been very disciplined and committed to a healthy lifestyle and we eat right and we exercise and we keep our vices to a minimum and we do all the right things and suddenly a storm blows into our life and we are faced with a critical health crisis over which we seem to have little control. All that discipline and all that work can seem to fail us or to betray us. In times of chaos, we can feel that our institutions betray us. Why weren't we prepared? Who should have done this? Who should have done that? Sometimes even the institutions 
of our religion and our faith can become targets of our fear and our anger. In times of economic upheaval, it is easy to feel betrayed when hard work is not rewarded and when our job is lost and when our savings is devastated and when we are faced with hard decisions that affect other people's lives. And sometimes, in the hardest moments of our life, though we church people would never say it out loud, we can feel betrayed by God. Sometimes we feel we did everything we were asked to do. Everything that was required of us. We pray and we worship and we study the scripture and we serve and we've done unto others how we would want them to do unto us. And then a storm blows into our life and turns our life upside down. Everything is upended. Everything seems destroyed. Oh, we know what it feels like to be in the storm of betrayal. In our text, we find Jesus in the storm of his betrayal as Judas betrays and Peter denies. Luke seems to want to make clear to us that Jesus isn't surprised by either one of these, but I have no doubt Jesus was still disappointed and that Jesus was still deeply hurt. This storm blows into Jesus' life as he shares the Passover with the twelve, those closest to him. As he lifts up the bread and the cup as his body and blood. As he shares with these of his impending death, only to have them quickly get into an argument over who's going to move up in the organization once he's gone. Even Peter seems caught up in this nonsense. And Jesus says, you're going to deny me. Peter is always blusters, no, not me. I'm ready to go to prison and to death for you. Jesus just looks at him and I imagine him shaking his head and saying, before the night is through, my friend, before the night is through. This storm blows into Jesus' life as he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray where he wrestles with God so deeply that Luke says it's as if he sweats great drops of blood. Jesus knows what lies ahead. He wishes this story could have a different ending, but he recommits himself to what God wants from him and what God wants of him. Then Judas comes, leading those who would arrest Jesus into that very sacred place of prayer. And we see Jesus in the midst of the storm, betrayed and denied. One of my favorite contemporary songwriters is Michael Card. 
in a song of the Lenten season with the title, Why, has these words. Why did it have to be a friend who chose to betray the Lord? Why did he use a kiss to tell them that's not what a kiss is for? Only a friend can betray a friend. A stranger has nothing to gain. And only a friend is close enough to ever cause so much pain. Sometimes we are the ones who deny and who fail and who betray the ones we love the most. Sometimes we are the ones who are denied and failed and betrayed by those we love the most. Either way, in that storm we know the deepest of pain and the darkest of disappointments we experience the most violent of storms. Susan Collins writes in The Hunger Games, for there to be betrayal, there would have to have been trust. And when trust is broken, we know chaos. We know despair. We know Okay, I know what you're saying. Thanks, Barry. Didn't think I could feel any worse until you barged into my den with this sermon. What is your point? Well, the point is this. The season of Lent takes us through all the highs and the lows of the human experience. And each week we have found Jesus in a storm that is so much like the storms we experience and the storms that we know. And the point is that we can still find Jesus in our storms every day along the journey of life. In the storm of betrayal, we see Jesus experiencing the worst that comes from taking the risk to love deeply. The worst that can come from taking the risk to love deeply. Jesus has invested his lives in the very people who deny and betray him. Jesus has wrestled with God, wanting so much to be the person God called him to be and to complete the task God had set for him to do. The point is, we see this storm and we see that in the worst times of Jesus' life, God was present. God was at work. The God of Jesus is a God that brings order out of the chaos and healing out of the pain and peace out of the fear. And what was true for Jesus is true for you. It's true for me. What was true for Jesus is true for all of us as we face these difficult and certain 
the storm of the pandemic, in the storm of quarantine, in the storm of economic uncertainty and upheaval, when we can feel betrayed by those things and those people we trust. God is present. God is at work. And God is still in the business of bringing order out of that chaos and healing out of that pain and peace out of our fear. We can have this hope. We can face our storms with that hope because God is the one who has never left us, never forsaken us. God is the one who will never betray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.